G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, interestingly, we have been warned cost of living has not reached a peak yet and people are beginning to suffer. Interest rates will likely continue to rise this year. Our mortgages will increase each month until the economy slows. A conversation today that affects all of us but with a special focus on employees and business owners and operators who are feeling the effects of financial pressure. Some are concerned they won't survive this year. Well, we're talking about how to change when balancing money and work and faith, when they're the challenge. Change management expert Christina Dean is back with us today. Christina Dean leads UniForte, specialising in business and organisational change management. She pioneered the first educational qualification in the world for change management. And she's a trainer, a coach and mentor whose experience of God in business has been part of her inspiration to succeed. Let me say a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Christina. Thank you, Neil. Lovely to be here. Christina... Is it an overreaction, you think? I mean, your perception, my perception, what listeners are thinking about their own circumstances, what their neighbours in their street are doing, with the people in their school community, with the people in their business communities. Times are, in fact, tough. This is a deepening year for some harder times. They are. Um, And um, and if we we look at revelations, it's not going to get very much easier. Um, This is not... This is, these are, we've had some very good times in the last 70 or so years, but our times are changing. We see it in our laws, we see it in our lawlessness, we see it, uh, and that lawlessness doesn't just pervade our streets, it pervades our families and our homes and our, our businesses, because those people sometimes, you know, they, they are the ones who are being robbed. Sometimes they are the ones who are being killed, and these have terrible impacts on businesses. Um, and we just need to learn how to manage what the future is going to bring us. And um, and one of the saddest things that I've seen is that people actually are not prepared for how will I handle this. We, You know, you can pretty much handle anything if you have a strategy for it. And that strategy has to be part of what's going to be your roles and responsibilities. Am I an employee? Am I an employer? Am I a spouse of somebody who's an employee or an employer? Am I a, a, the son or daughter of an employee? Or, or And it, it requires all of us to get through changing times. It's There's an old saying that says, if you want to go far, go alone. If you want to, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to get far, go together. So the only way that organisations can get far is if they go together. Um, it, there is so much more to it than that, of course, and, and God has told us many ways in which how important it is for us to be together, to work together, to to be of one mind together, to be of one heart together. So, you know, if we find a way to daily 
dig into the Bible and say, Lord, what is it you'd like me to learn today before I go to work? I can assure you, because I've been doing this for many years, doing exactly that once I lost my um, ego, um, to, to stop and first put God first and say, Lord, what is it that's going to happen today that I really need to be prepared for? Nine times out of ten, I'll get a word about something, and I think I think about it, and I and I, and it's almost like you know that it's going to happen that day, and you know I'm all, I always have a chuckle when it does because I know, therefore, how to handle that particular situation. Well, he just encapsulated a whole lot of wonderful things uh, that we will try and enlarge on uh, during our conversation. Um, just hearing from God in your business. That's what listeners will have just heard you say. Uh, We've also got this thought that tough times uh, in business mean that we need to move together, not just alone, because if you're a business leader, you've got staff, you've got a team. If you're in any sort of organisation that has to remain afloat, uh, when there's less money that's keeping you afloat, you've got to be able to... Uh, work together as a team. You did mention something important too, just to pick up on, and uh, I hadn't appreciated this, but when hard times come and money is tight, and it might be the business experiencing those tight times because there's less revenue, take a cafe, for example, if people can't afford to go out and have lunch or a restaurant, can't afford to go for dinner, then there's less money in the pot to be able to make sure that everything goes well. Just to pick up on something, though, not everybody's honest when those tough times come. And when you said, you know, all sorts of things increase when there's less money around, that that includes uh, the thought of, you know, white-collar crime, uh, covering all those bases, making sure there's accountability because someone may be stealing from you to make ends meet in their own personal way. So there's a lot of dimensions there, aren't there, that, that can affect us all. Absolutely. And we one thing we don't know, we don't know how we will respond unless we're prepared for it. And um, people don't generally think that way. People just are trying to survive. They're not necessarily bad people, but they're just in really lousy circumstances. They've got a child that's sick. They've got no money for that child. They've got a, a husband that's up and left you know, because of a set of longer false eyelashes. Um, They've got all sorts of different things, all sorts of different pressures that all of a sudden means that suddenly the well is dry. And that will lead people to do all sorts of things. And it's not just about stealing money, but it's about stealing other people's ideas and calling them your own. It's about, um, you know, well, we know who comes along to rob, kill and destroy. And any sign of robbery or any way in which we might be um, persecuting somebody else in the office to make ourselves look good, these are all the sorts of things that you're going to see an increase of that sort of behaviour as things become tougher. When everyone is feeling the pinch, uh, the employees have got rising mortgages. Uh, They're thinking maybe the grass looks greener on the other side. There might be some headhunters who'd like to have my skills I know that staff retention will become so much more important too because if you want to survive the year, and there's some suggestion that while interest rates will continue to rise, eventually when there is a peak, and let's hope it doesn't go uh, overreach uh, and that leads us into recession, that somehow or other there might be a pullback and even uh, lowering of interest rates just to kick things along. So this thought that, you know, that you're working as a leader in an organisation 
your staff are important and you want to be able to hold on to them. And uh, everyone's going through challenging times together. Doing that together as a team actually has power to it. It's um, it's more than just a team. It's a it's it's a collection of one to one relationships. Building a team is fantastic. If, if and you know the one thing that you've got to have if you're a team is trust. If trust is not there, then you can't have a team. You've just got a whole bunch of people coming to the same floor to work together every day, but you can't call them a team. It, they're only a team if they solve things together. They're only a team if they go to each other and work with one another. They're only a team if uh, they, you know, they they are thinking about the organisation and putting their own needs aside and saying, "Well, look, today I'm here to serve my boss, and and my job is to serve our customers, and uh, that's what we do." Um, now, you know, it's great if people can come to work and think like that, but if you've got as I said, a sick child, an errant husband, um, a demented mother or something else going on in your life, uh, you're not well. It's very hard to focus on other people and yet we know that that is actually the most sense. It's not just the most sensible way but it's also the very best way, according to neuroscientists, to prevent depression is to sort of say, okay, who can I focus on today? It's going to take the spotlight off me and who can I help today? And it might be Millie sitting next door to you who's such a pain in the neck on the usual day, but today she comes to work and she's crying and if you just, you know, the last thing you want to be doing is saying, serves you right, um, that's the last thing that needs to have happen. What needs to have happen, that person at that particular point of time is in your way to, to care about them in a way that they never would have expected you to care about them. And over time, that, that trust will grow and you'll feel a whole lot better about yourself because you've cared for somebody instead of just thinking selfishly, it's, it's all about me. Everybody is going to go through this, everybody. And if we just get through it by robbing, killing and destroying each other, we will get to... Um, we will get to that space where Dolly Parton's got a great new song out where she says, it's a song about God, and he says, don't you make me come down there. <laughs> hey, you're touching on some really valuable things this morning because when things get tough, the pressure's on, uh, the pressure's on the boss as well. And some might be saying, well, uh, you don't know my boss. My boss is sort of sociopathic, controlling. Uh, they are just, uh, you know, uh, they want their fair days work for the fair days pay. They're not there to be your friend. Uh, in fact, they don't care how I feel when I get to work. Uh, there's something here that we have an application for a Christian value principle. That thought that uh, those who do work for us, even then, honouring them, uh, even then uh, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. There's something here that makes a Christian leader a little different to the transactional leader, the one who thinks that I'm paying you, you'll do your job, and I don't care whether you like it or not. If you want to get paid, do that. Well, crikey, he's about 100 years behind the times for a start in terms of management practices um, and has probably read a few good books but hasn't probably hasn't uh, read you know that it's uh, that it's all about how we get through this together um, I don't know of very many successful long-term successful managers who think like that certainly if they are just a manager and they're just a transactional individual and they just want to get stuff done that's fantastic that's but that's only part of the story that's only the, that's only the bottom line of the story the other story that that actually holds the business up is leadership 
You know, leadership is one of those things. If you don't have it, for heaven's sake, get it. And there is just one wonderful thing that you need for leadership, and that is wisdom. Because a manager will um, often be very transactional and won't be very caring, and, and, and you know, it's not in their DNA. But a leader, on the other hand, realises that they get more work done um, with honey than with vinegar. Um, and the Lord says, you know, um, take care that, you know, ask for wisdom, you know, be as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. And it's not always easy, but it's really very, very important. How you deliver the message is just as important as what the message is. I was talking to a young manager um, just fairly recently, and he was telling me how his, he was having his um, an, another new manager and uh, he was really very angry about it because he, he found that they had no strategies, no direction. Um, he didn't have any idea where the organisation was going and that it was floundering, that they were behind with their products and a whole bunch of other things. And um, and he said, he was, you know, he said, I'm going to ask this new manager, well, what have you ever done then? What are you going to do for me? And I, <laughs> and I had visions of this new manager who had never had met this person before um, standing up against a firing wall. And I said, gee, you might want to rethink that because if you want this guy to do something for you, then maybe, you know, you might want to think about how you shape your conversation with him, perhaps tell him what the facts are, tell him how wh- how the facts are, are, are rolling out around you and maybe just pull him into that. Be the leader. Lead him in, you know, show him what goes on. Show him what goes on and uh, then he- sooner or later he'll see that you know you're sharing with him rather than blaring at him um, what can actually happen here. And again, it's a case of he needs to learn the lie of the land when he comes into that organisation, when he comes into this new job, and the best person is you because you're the next man on the block. So you really need to share with him what's really going on because leadership isn't just something from somebody higher than you. Leadership starts at we are all leaders of one sort or another. The woman who's got difficulties can lead Millie to having a better day and a better product, therefore better productivity. Um, this young man can lead his boss to be a much better boss than anything that he's ever had in the future. It's, these are times for us really to start taking notice of how God says we need to behave ourselves because that's what's going to cut it in the, in the difference. That's what's going to sort out the goats from the sheep. Um, and that's exactly how businesses will be successful and those who are goats, they will not be successful. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Christina Dean is our special guest. We're talking about surviving in a tough year. If you're in business leading an organisation and there's you and there's all your team, there's staff on board. Hey, Christina, let's just uh, touch on something important here because just because there is a crisis ahead for many businesses this year doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. Uh, If you get the right things in place at the right time and in the right way, uh, these things can be to your benefit. What are your thoughts here, though, about uh, just re-evaluating whether you've got uh, this as a crisis and if you can see your way forward to actually flourish in this? I actually, um, oh, okay, I would love to share a really good story with you about a client of mine that I worked with some years ago. And and, uh, he had been tasked with um, dismissing something like 950 people. Wow. 
and it was because of money. It was because of money, and um, and you know we discussed it, and and I said to him, you know, what's how do how do they get to that arrive? How do they arrive at that? He said, I don't know. They just said to me, this is what you're going to be doing, and I said, here's an idea for you. And so I unwrap, I unpacked this idea. For, he went back to the organisation and did that. So what he did, he went back and talked to the to the board. He said, um, if you give me a bit more time, I think that we can probably come up with a, some great solutions to save you more money and, so, and also so that you'll be extremely happy with the result. And so the result at the end of the day was that this – wonderful fellow who was so teachable. He went off and um, he talked to all the people who would normally have been um, involved in that, in, in being sacked, um, and quite a lot more, of course. And, of course, this took him some time to get around to everybody. And he discovered that there were opportunities waiting in the organisation that nobody was ta- listening to. And so um, as, he, as he packaged all of this together, um, he was able to, at the end of the day, Save the organisation much, much more money than they um, had anticipated that the dismissal of, of 950 people were about. And he was able to save those jobs because they were able to be, um, many of them were able to be re, uh, redeployed to new ideas. So, you know, it, it, don't be so, what I'm saying here is, any manager who's thinking, well, I'm going to have to lay off staff and start, you know, having nightmares about that, think of different ways in which you can actually find new ways of doing things. And we can talk about it more a bit later if you like. And if you think that what might be coming as the toughest period of the crisis is only for a limited time, somehow or other, repositioning those staff rather than letting those staff go may actually set you up for the opportunities that are going to flourish again exactly. after a short time of crisis. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we're not we're not going to be in here for a short time. I think we're probably going to be in this little area for quite a while. I don't think that things are going to get... Um, because too many people, you see, we all bought into the idea that there were not going to be any interest rates rises for some years. And even though I I didn't um, I didn't invest in anything at the time, but I know an awful lot of people who did, and their trust is really shaken in the whole of the country's you know senior systems that they have now invested and they've now they've bought properties and thinking to themselves, well, great, we'll be able to put away an extra bit of money, we'll be able to do this, we'll be able to do that, and that's just not happening. And that's where the crisis point is. Christina, when we talked about businesses downsizing, uh, thank you so much for a great uh, story of how you might you know, not do the downsizing, survive through until things begin to flourish again. But we're seeing building companies going to the wall. They're closing down. Uh, banks are closing branches. Uh, if the banks are closing branches, you know something's brewing tightness when it comes to cafes, restaurants. In fact, every business is going to feel the pinch as people stop spending. And that's what the Reserve Bank wants us to do, to stop spending, to curb what's happening with inflation so that we can be set up for continuing to flourish into the future. But businesses downsizing, uh, the thought that there might be something you can do to unlock the asset that you have in your business the staff that you have who are leading 
different departments, staff that are wanting to keep their jobs as well. What are your thoughts here for engaging your staff to help you to flourish through the tough time? I think if we just continue on with, uh, you know, along the lines of what we were talking about with Optus earlier on, and my recommendations with that was um, that they go and learn. First of all, people need to learn what's really going on because uh, scaremongering in, in, in all sorts of media can drive people crazy. And, you know, you start living in this place of fear. And let me tell you, fear is a very evil ally. Um, so if you're going to give anyone the sack, that's a good place to start. Sack the one who makes you, drives you crazy, um, you know, and I'm talking about you know who, he has horns and we know who that is. So stop being his buddy, stop letting him kick you around because, you know, fear is an, is an evil force and you, as whoever you are, Mr. and Mrs. Christian out there, you have much, much more strength than that. You have the strength to overcome any weakness. And just because you don't know how to do something today doesn't mean to know, doesn't mean to say that by the end of the day you won't have a bunch of answers. So if you can start overcoming your weaknesses first by getting rid of fear, um, and then you, and, uh, and then, you know, which means that you're then um, pressing into faith. Start asking God questions. Start asking, well, how are we going to get through this, Lord? What do I need to do next? And I promise you, He will, He never not answers you. He always answers you. But you have to be patient sometimes and you have to kind of let him just do his thing. Um, you know, I, I, um, I get a bit can, a bit annoyed actually when I when um, people talk about, um, uh, you know, in churches and they sing songs like, oh, God, please invade me. Holy Spirit, invade me. I feel like saying, for heaven's sake, he's far too much of a gentleman to do that. He doesn't invade you. He lives there anyway. You accepted Christ. He's there. All you have to do is talk to him and he'll be, he'll be, it'll be marvelous as to what he will do for you. So please let me just encourage you to have a lot more faith than you have fear. So that's number one. Number two is that Lean into that, in, lean into the strength of, of being able to overcome anything. So that's what's happening in your spiritual level. And that's what's happening in your soul. And here's what you can do at a practical level. When you get to work and say that you're the boss and you think to yourself, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do here. You know, I don't know what's going to happen next. You need to find out. Read whatever you can from reliable sources. Don't Google it. Find a really reliable sources that you can listen to and find out what's really going on in the world. Um, then find out what's happening with your customers. Find out, um, you know, what's working well for them, what's not working well for them, and what do they wish they had, and what are they facing, and then put everything you've got into helping them sort out their problems. So now you've got another unity happening. The first one is with God, you and God. The next one is with you and your customer. You work with your customer to help help your customer to get through this thing, and he will never forget you. He will never forget you. Um, and, you know, by consulting with them then, once you've found out what's, you know, what's troubling your customer really, then you consult with your team, with your people back at the office. And hopefully, if you're a good Christian, you've learned how to, how to, how to, how to develop teams and to develop some unity in amongst your organisation. And then you um, think of ways in which we can be satisfying the needs of the customer better. And then you just, the next thing after that is that you go back and you have a bit of a chat to the back 
bit of a chat to the to the customer and see if that's going to sort him out. Yes, that'll sort him out. Good. Now you go back to your team again, okay? Great. He said, that's good. Now, what are we going to do by when? Who's going to do what by when? How are we going to get through this? What resources do we need, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And, um, and when are you going to do it? And hey, you're there. Now you're there. Um, it's about communication and it's about bonding and it's about teamwork and it's about one-on-one relationships and it's about one and three relationships, one, two and three people working together. You're never going to break that cord. And you make a wonderful, wonderful point that we're all in this together and it's not just your team but it's your customer or your client base but it's also your suppliers the people who are supplying the goods or the services to keep you in business, they're also facing a challenging time. So when we come to those sort of Christian principle ideas that you are salt and light, Mm. that's not just about sharing a gospel message. That's actually about living out your Christian walk in whatever you're in. And so this puts you right there, right in the centre of your business. And it's all the people you deal with, not just your customers, but those suppliers who might be also struggling with the same things. And they might well be encouraged by your insight and input, how you're running your business. People are watching you, aren't they? Exactly. And that supply chain encompasses you and up, up the chain and down the chain. And if those supply chains can start working together in the same way that I've just been discussing, have your round tables, sit down together and figure this out so that everybody can do some planning. Recently, um, last year, my business, you know, government sometimes does some really, really great, great things. One of the great things that they did was that they put a tendering process in place so that if you won the, uh, the, a, a supplier to be a preferred supplier, which we are, uh, we're a super, uh, preferred supplier to all government agencies and, and a whole bunch of other agencies, all the, all the, um, um, all organisations like yours, all the not-for-profits, all the, you know, all organisations that report to government and all the not-for-profits, and they are our preferred customers, um, and especially our Christian customers. Um, and it's about pulling all of those people in in a way that they can uh, work together. So you look upstream and you look downstream and you bring all of those people together and say, well, okay, fine, what's happening for you, what's happening for you, what's happening for you? Now you've got three or four different organisations working on the same problem together. Um, I was just going to say about that tendering process. That tendering process is usually, you know, it's a three-year thing and that's it. This one, however... And, you know, you've only got this three-year period in which you can plan what your business is going to be doing. So, um, and we were successful in being one of the 110 um, in, in Queensland to get, to get a Guernsey in three different areas. And um, uh, they did more than just the three years. They said that, okay, if you, if you work well in that three years, we'll give you another three years. And if you work well in that, we'll give you another three years. And guess what? It's changed how I can plan for my business. I now have a 10-year plan, not a two- or a three-year plan. And that's made all the difference to my organisation because I can see ahead for 10 years and, wow, what's that going to do for the market value of my business? 
And when there's an incentivizing like that, uh, you get to work with people on a different level. And as you say, yes, what's that going to do for the value of your business? What's it going to do to the value of your staff if you can rely on them for exactly. having a longer term plan exactly. than just making it through to the end of another hard week? Exactly. Hey, let me come to another dimension here. And Christina, so uh, interested in your perspective here, because when you are leading a business, perhaps you're the business owner, your own motivations for your business. And sometimes people will say, well, it's a business and it's there to make a profit. And all these other things are secondary. But when profit and prospering is your only consuming passion, that actually creates some problems, doesn't it? Because uh, we need to be people oriented and there needs to be some compassion to those who are perhaps going to be doing it tough this year. Can I share with you a word that the Lord put on on me uh, that really um, shaped my recent five or six years, I think? Um, And the Lord said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. And I sat and thought about that for the longest time. And I knew what it meant was that if my soul is not prospering, then my health will not prosper, nor will my finances. So it starts with your soul. And if you haven't got a soul connection with the Lord, if you're not at one with the Lord, then um, I'd like to say God help you. Um, He certainly did help me in periods of time when I didn't know very much about him. But I can tell you that he's helped me so much more since I have. And he is my best friend. He's just my best friend. There's nothing I can't talk to him about, nothing I can't bring to him that I worry about, nothing that keeps me up at night and nothing that takes a smile off my face because I I just get it. I just get it. So balancing, once you've got your soul in order, then it's a matter of balancing finance and people. Now, I've had a great strength in people for as long as I can remember. I haven't really run my business because I wanted to make a huge profit. I didn't focus on that. And yes, that caused me problems because, you know, here am I, as I've got an MBA, but I wasn't focusing on the main thing for my own business, which was being profitable. I was more of a not-for-profit centre. And so, <laughs> and some people are wired that way, but you, but you can't uh, you can't survive long term no, exactly. if you don't have profit in mind. Exactly, and so if and so I turned that around some time ago, and I said, well, you know, actually, I <laughs> I'm not a very good example of how to make money. So I learned as much as I could about you know being a really profitable business without losing that wonderful wonderful customer thing, without losing. Um, any part of the human side of things. And, of course, well, that's what really makes the wheels go around. You know, you've got to have both. It's, it's about people and it's about wealth, and it's, but most of all it's about your soul. Let me come to an issue here because when we talk about getting all of those things right, uh, sometimes people might think about aligning the planets. It's, uh, you know, sometimes not always easy to get everything into place and, well, it's all functioning nicely. When tough times come, sometimes there's a temptation to cut corners. The sorts of corners we cut might be around ethics. It might be in the quality of the product that we're supplying. Uh, It might be in all sorts of different areas. It could be taxation issues, all of those things that can get you into really big trouble. So the integrity that you have, the authentic Christian nature of who you are as a person applied to your business, these things become important, don't they? So tempting to cut corners but might not always be wise. One of the big cut corners 
Uh, that's going to be a big temptation shortly is if the cash if the, if uh, cash flow dries up there may be greater borrowings greater credit cards greater those sorts of things um, I need more money I need more money where can I get more money from who can I borrow money from etc cetera, etc cetera. one of the greatest things that I have learned is not to borrow money because I'm not looking at a terrible time ahead I don't have any borrowings and I'm really very pleased that I don't have any borrowings because I don't live in fear and I started doing this about five or six years ago and to be able to run a business that is um, cash flow positive and that is um, and that I don't have any personal borrowings and I don't have any business borrowings, um, it's a very good feeling to have because you're not wondering about it, you're not worrying about it. So that would be one area in which I would say, um, as the Lord says, don't borrow, you know, uh, do not be a borrower. So the debtor being a slave to the lender, that's a biblical principle. And it doesn't mean that all debt is bad, but uh, you recognise that if you get into debt above your head mm. and interest rates uh, continue to rise, and then you are then turning up at work each day in order to just meet the mortgage payment or the loan payment that you have, that's when you can really get an illustration, isn't it, of being a, a slave to the lender. Now, a lot of businesses rely on uh, working with the credit that they have, uh, and that's not necessarily altogether a bad thing. But when it's out of control, then you recognise the slave uh, mentality. The worst part about the slave mentality, Neil, I think is that it takes the passion out of your work. Um, some years ago, I, an I analysed it and I looked at it myself. Do I? And I asked myself, do I go to work? Um, do I go to work to live? Or do I live to go to work? And when you think about that, one means if I go to work to live means that I'm just there for the money. If I go to if I go to work to uh, to live, if I go to work to live, sorry, I'll get this right yep, in a minute. Yep. If I go to work to live, it means that I'm just there for the dollars. If I go to work for the value of what I can do for someone else, um, then it's a whole different ball game. Yes. So live to work or work to live. Work to to live or to live to work, and exactly. uh, really, you've got to take some time mm, to reflect that. on that. Mm. And uh, it might be right for some to say that I live to work, mm. uh, especially if that's uh, made up of who you are. Passion. Um, you know, if you're working on a production line and there's nothing that is, uh, you know, redemptive for your soul in that, perhaps you might be saying, I am working to live because my life might be outside of my work. In all of that, we might be looking for the opportunity that might open up so that we can live to work, so that when we are actually at work applying ourselves, then uh, then we're fulfilling something for a, a life that is 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 full. I'd like to pick you up on 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 the production worker. I had a conversation with a lady just recently who is an NDIS worker. She looks after um, all sorts of people, and she's. It, it occurred to me that she always looks tired and exhausted and depressed. And um, and I said to her, "Is your work particularly hard?" She said, "Oh yes, it's horrible. It's really hard, and it's this, that, and the other." I said, what do you do? And she said, oh, she explained to me all the different things. To, and I said, gee, gosh, you're a wonderful, wonderful human being to be able to do that for as long as you've done that. 
What an incredible thing it must be for people when you turn up to help them. And she said, oh, 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 no, I just think that they want to get their floors done or I want to go and do this or I want to go and do that. And I said, well, how would it be for you if you had a different view? What if you knew how they felt when they saw you? What if you said to yourself, um, instead of, oh, I go and wash floors and I do this and I do that, you know, wash people and I... Um, I said, what if you said to yourself that you're actually adding value to this person's life every day to enable them to have a nicer life each day? They're nice and clean for the day. They've done their businesses for the day. They've done, you know, they've been off to do their shopping for the day. They've done all of those wonderful things. That wouldn't be possible if you were not there. Can you not see how valuable you are? It's a beautiful way of putting that and to connect that with our church experience We often think that the person who is in ministry in our church is the pastor who's on the platform delivering a sermon on a Sunday. But I can promise you that the pastor who's in the pulpit looking out on the congregation is saying, I'm trying to equip these people to be a minister whenever you go into all the world and serving in whatever capacity that God has planted you in so that you can be fulfilled in that ministry, equipped to be able to do those things that will bring the kingdom of God wherever you might be. So when you bring that into, into church life and the way we think about what we do at church, really, really powerful thought. And let, let me just come back to the words of Jesus here. Uh, Some people will know this scripture off by heart in Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Whether they be physical, monetary things, or whether they be those quality of life uh, issues that give you that wholeness for your soul, as you were talking about. Uh, This is such an important scripture to be able to apply to our own lives. What are your thoughts here, Christina? Well, um, I'd have to say that, you know, as the listeners have heard before, um, I'm the comeback kid. You know, I'm the comeback kid. Um, And I can tell you that it is the first time in my life that I actually feel that I can walk the talk with being a light in the world. Um, I... The Lord has helped me in so many different ways that I can actually now be salt and light in the world and to actually shine the light on his truth and to shine the light on what's really fake in the world. And believe me, after 30 years of working as I do, you can see all the fake stuff and you know you, 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 you compare the two worlds and they are so, so, so far apart. But the organisations that I work with who, who simply let me work and get, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point, um, they just go, wow, where does this stuff come from? You know, h- how did you find you know, And I just say, oh, you know, um, if it works for you, that's great. You might say I've been there and I've, I've done, done that. that. And I've made some mistakes, and along the way, somehow or other, I was connected with some of the wisdom of God, Yes, and it began to shape me in a different way. Mm. And it's interesting that, because no doubt there'll be people listening to our conversation today coming from all different age categories, Mm. some younger ones going, how do I get a download on this early? Mm. Others are saying, well, you've got to go through a few tough times to actually learn some lessons, but when you do get a little bit older, a little bit wiser... Uh, then you can start to appreciate what God has called you to do. 
that you can seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. Absolutely. That he does actually come through and he does look after us in all these different dimensions. And you know what? It's actually very true that he's always faithful. If I had known how many times he was faithful to me throughout my life, when I did the wrong thing, when I, you know, I really didn't get it, it's taken me such a long time. There, there, there is nothing that he doesn't forgive you. There's nothing that you need to be ashamed or blamed about or needy about. He's there for you. It doesn't matter when you decide to do it. Well, Christina, time has run out, and, and no doubt there'll be listeners who are saying, "I need some of this." extra deeper wisdom for my organization i don't know how to implement some of these sorts of things myself uh i just want to encourage listeners yes christina is available to help you through some major change in your business organization and uh, christina i think you probably work with big business big organization big departments but uh, are you happy to work with some smaller organizations too i'm very happy to work with anybody i mean you know um, it's it's really about um, getting them there, and the same fees that they that you know the big organisations pay because you can just get it through on this tender process, and you know it means that um, it means that the fees are set. It's not like well, okay, you're a really big guy, so therefore I'm going to charge you more. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, you can just jump on the bandwagon. Well, Christina Dean, her website is uniforte.com.au. Uniforte, that's spelled U-N-I-F-O-R-T-E dot com dot A-U. You can connect with Christina Dean. Christina, thank you so much for taking some time once again today to share these great insights with listeners on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.